0: Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, I hope that you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And on Sunday, Atlanta rallied to defeat Chicago 2-1 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was an exciting game. It was filled with late-game heroics, which is kind of becoming the norm for Atlanta United when it plays at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, as you'll remember from the first week against San Jose. Well, in this game, Atlanta took a one-to-nothing lead on a goal by Yorgos Yakimakis in the 13th minute, his fifth goal in his fifth consecutive game, a second-longest streak in MLS history. But then a, a horrible back pass from Franco Abara resulted in a goal for Casper Shabelko for Chicago in the 90th minute. And then Atlanta United finally woke up after sleepwalking through most of this game. One corner was put in, Juan Prada's header was saved. But then on the subsequent corner... The ball kind of bounced around in the box, went off of Parata's thigh, off of Haile Selesi's back, and in in the ninth minute of stoppage time. And a little bit of, uh, if you want to call it karma, from last week's game against Toronto in which they scored with the final kick of the game to earn a 2-2 draw. This time Atlanta United, with almost the final kick of the game, gets a 2-1 win. The only thing I'll remind you about karma, though, is Atlanta United already had one positive in that column with that San Jose game, which, of course, was won by Diego Almada in like the seventh minute of stoppage time or something like that, or the ninth minute of stoppage time. In the rest of this podcast, you're going to hear from manager Gonzalo Pineda, as well as Derek Etienne, Juanjo Prada, and Clement Jop, who had to come in because Quentin Westberg, who was backing up Brad Guzan, had to leave the game with an injury, something with his knee. We don't quite know the specifics of it yet. Uh, hope to learn something today because the team has two more games this week, one on Wednesday in the U.S. Open Cup against Memphis, one on Saturday at Nashville, which is a fun road trip. I hope that you're going to go. So you'll hear from those players, and then I'm going to answer your questions about the team. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. I get all my podcasts from podcastsrus.net.com. Daniel turned me on to that a long, long time ago, so I want to thank him for that. It's just full of good stuff. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing.
0: And we're back. All right, we're going to start with Gonzalo Pineda talking about Yorgo Yakamakis, who again had to leave the game early in the second half, again with a hamstring injury. Of course, he left the Toronto game last week with a hamstring injury, but was able to recover well enough to start on Sunday against Chicago. I'll be really, really curious what happens this week, because the team having been bitten by the injury bug, and it's just a nasty little critter, so many times last season, I'll be really curious if they push Yorgos this week. You won't see him on Wednesday. I'll be really surprised if you see him on Saturday. But here he is talking about their injuries.
2: He felt again his country. We'll have to assess him the next few days, do the scans, and then we'll see the magnitude of that. Uh, we had in our plans already modifying around 60th minute, and it happened before that. So, yeah, we'll have to. To assess that one uh, and then Quentin I think he landed awkwardly in the warm-up or something like that and then throughout the first half he started to feel more pressure in the knee so uh, we'll have to the same uh, evaluate uh, the injury the magnitude and then we'll make decisions if needed
0: I was also curious to ask Meda just his emotionals his emotionals that was a really awful use of that word his emotions in the final minutes of the game against Chicago going from the frustration of allowing that goal it was just a horrible goal we'll go into that a little bit more later Uh, and then seeing the team finally find a uh, an offensive spark they were playing solidly for the most part sometimes luckily on defense uh, to get that goal
2: well frustration frustration because I felt that uh, we didn't have our best game uh, probably we have one of the worst I've seen, especially on the ball. We never had rhythm on the ball. We never uh, could really connect uh, g- good sequences of passes, possession. There were moments in the first half, but certainly we, we lost the control for, for the big majority of the game. So I was frustrated with that. And then out of precaution, I had to modify, obviously, Yaku and then uh, Tiago. Um, so i felt that that uh, that didn't help with that rhythm Um, but uh, after that very happy with the mentality of the team because it's like the players understood that they that we were not having our, our best night and they were able to absorb pressure and to be under pressure by Chicago, who did a great job at putting good balls, services inside the box and in dangerous areas, and and we were just uh, defending very well. Uh, aside of the goal, where I think it was a an individual mistake that can happen to anyone, and it was a, a silly mistake that 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 obviously hurt us, but. Uh, the team understood then, after that, never quit. Uh, and, and that's a massive positive to me, that we have a team full of warriors, uh, people that, that uh, understands the roles and, and is willing to do everything for the team. So that's a positive. We need to correct the soccer side, for sure. But uh, today, that's all I can say.
0: Some of you may not have known that Clement Giot was the third goalkeeper on Atlanta United's roster. I'm going to write a little bit more about him today. You can find the story on AJC.com or on my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. And what Atlanta United can do to sign another backup goalkeeper. In my guesstimations from my experience of this job, Westberg's knee isn't great. Once you see a knee starting to swell, and he said his was starting to swell and he couldn't put weight on it, that's usually a sign of some sort of a ligament issue. Um, and I feel awful. For, for Quentin, because he was playing well as, as Guzan's backup. But here's Jop. I, I was asking him about if there was a difficulty in coming into a game at the start of the second half. Um, he was warming up at halftime. And I remember watching it going, I don't know if I've ever seen him warm up during the half, which was a sign that there may have been something wrong. But here's Jop talking about that.
3: I mean, I, I just try to take it like as a normal game and try and help the team you know that that was about it i didn't really think twice about it when they told me i have to go so it was about
0: that and here's jop on how he thought he did and he gave a very mature answer
3: Asked the coach about it i mean i'm not here to judge my performances like i'm trying to do my best and if i can help the team that the best thing you know like i was i didn't feel stress or rush on on the field and it was just about it you know
0: And one thing about Jop is uh, when we go to the training sessions, we go to two a week. It's usually match day minus four and match day minus two. Once the session is over, some of the players will stay out there and work on their shooting or crossing and shooting, things like that. Jop always stays out there, always, and plays goalkeeper for these guys. It's something he obviously doesn't have to do, but he does. It's obviously a sign he loves his craft. So I asked him if this training after practice helped him against Chicago.
3: I mean, honestly, regardless that I'm playing or no, I'm trying to stay as much as I can with those guys because when we train between goalkeepers, we see goalkeeper shots, you know? Right. So no disrespect to nobody, but Thiago is not going to shoot like Liam, you know? Right. So, so I'm trying to see as much as possible because I feel like if I can save it at practice, I have a better chance to save it during a game, you know? So that, that's about it for me.
0: And then I follow that up by asking him if he feels any pressure as the only healthy goalkeeper.
3: I mean, at that point, it's pressure to not get injured because I right. feel like uh, <laughs> there's a spell on this club. It feels like every goalkeeper are getting injured this year. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I'm gonna try to stay healthy at least. You know, That's the most important right now.
0: One of those players who sometimes stays after training to take shots is Derek Etienne. And here he is talking about what kind of goalkeeper job is.
4: Very, very good goalkeeper. Um, I knew when he got on the, on the field that I, because yeah, I do shoot on him daily. Uh, he stays after training and and helped uh, us attackers just how good his presence in the shot stopping is Um, you saw today on the breakaway Um, really wish that we were able to to clean that up so he can get a clean sheet because I think he deserves it with the the work he puts in after practice every single day but um, he's very athletic and then he brings a lot of calmness and confidence on the ball Um, I think you saw he feels real comfortable with uh, people running at him and pressing him and he has the the patience he has the composure and he has the skill to be able to find a good pass and I think you saw that today so I'm very happy he was able to get his debut a little upset that we couldn't get him a clean sheet
0: and then I followed that up by asking you about the character of Atlanta United in not just settling for a point at home and getting that late win
4: I think that we had chances throughout the game to put the game in the bed they also had chances as well uh, so, but I think it just shows that um we're not a team that's gonna give up we're not gonna we're not gonna die so I mean we don't wanna don't wanna drop points we definitely don't wanna drop points at home uh that's something that I feel needs to be uh cemented in, in the way that we are and make the the bins a fortress because it's a very difficult place to play so um we were very disappointed in the fact that what thirty seconds left, and we gave up three points there, so we um, you just see the resilience in the group to to be able to to fight back. So I think it just shows that we're going to be able to create chances throughout the throughout the whole game, and it's just you know being sharper and, and finishing out those chances, and making sure that we're better in both boxes.
0: And here's Juan Hoparada, whose English is is very good. I mean, he really you know he doesn't need a pat on the back, but I think it's awesome that he uh, is speaking English in his post game interviews as much as he can. Sometimes he'll have to switch to Spanish, but just just a great guy. But so my first question was, I asked him, did he know anything about the winning goal? And he looked at me and said, like, what? (laughs) I was like, what did you know about the winning goal? So here's his answer.
5: Yeah, I just uh, follow the ball and uh, the ball hits me and I don't know where, but (laughs) yeah, happy for the the two points.
0: And then I pointed out that he did celebrate the goal as if he scored it. All the boys
5: told me that, well, uh, they were laughing about that, but I don't care if the team wins. <laughs> it's a, a, a last-minute goal, so I was so happy for, for the team. Even if we we didn't play well, All we all know that, but the only important thing is we never stopped fighting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we, we won three points.
0: And then... Uh, I think Sam asked him if he felt any frustration after Chicago tied it up.
5: Uh, frustration. Um, we we were Whoa. fighting all the all the game <laughs> and conceding again a goal in the last minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always hard. It's always tough. But we we keep pushing after that. And as I said, the only thing that matter is is uh, the three points.
0: I was curious to know how Prada felt when he saw Jop come out to start the second half we all
5: know that Clemence is a really good goalkeeper he showed that and we, they, he has uh, our confidence mm-hmm. he, he showed us, he showed the, the people that he's ready and we are a complete team uh, we have yeah, two goalkeepers injured but
0: there's a third one that he's very very good alright When we come back, I'm going to answer your questions. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner?
3: Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
0: The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, investigations, food and dining. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Now we got a voicemail. Come in at 770-810-5297. The only number you ever need. Daniel has a sat phone by his side. He has gone down to Ghana right now. I don't know what he's doing there. He doesn't really fill me in on his personal life anymore. I don't know why. Um, But here's that voicemail. This is for the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Doug, did Al Arugio
1: play today? Just wondering. This is Michael from Decatur.
0: Hey, Michael. It's a good question. It's uh, another story that I'm writing today is five things learned from last night's two-to-one win. And one of those is that at London United's wingers right now, Derek Etienne and Louise Arrujo are struggling uh, within the system. I don't quite know why, hoping to ask Pineda about this tomorrow, but uh Arahujo has one assist in the past four games. Etienne has yet to score. Uh, last night was his eighth appearance, I think, and his fourth start. It's, it's just in, like last night, they weren't even close to, to scoring. Arahujo he was happy in the locker room, but the team won. His on-field body language, and I... Could be totally misreading this, misinterpreting this. But he was walking around a lot. But really, a lot of the players were walking around a lot on offense. It just, To be honest, it looked more like last year's team or the team under Heinze in terms of energy levels than what we've seen most of this year for most of the game on Sunday. So Arahujo, Arahujo did play two shots, no shots on goal, and didn't create a chance. Etienne didn't take a shot and didn't create a chance either. On to Chris, who says, what is the biggest surprise to you in the league thus far? Well, that has to be St. Louis. Uh, They are, I think I picked them to finish last in the West, and they are not going to finish last in the West. And they are a a fairly solid team. I'm a little bummed that we're not going to get to go there this year to see that fantastic ballpark. But they have 19 points. They're averaging 2.11 points per game. They're just off the pace for the Supporters' Shield. 21 goals, 4, 10 against. They are on top of the Western Conference, or tied with Seattle on top of the Western Conference, one point ahead of LAFC. So they are, I think, the biggest surprise in Major League Soccer this year. Chris continues with his second question Who gets fired first, Lasada or Struber? Fans are calling for both, but for very different reasons. So we were debating this in the Alex Timbakis Memorial Media trailer at Atlanta United's training ground a couple of weeks ago, and I thought that it would be Lasada. That was before all the horribleness happened uh, with Dante Zier and Struber's tone-deaf decision to not take Zier out of the game following his racial slur to Jeremy Ebobice of San Jose. Uh, the Red Bulls are struggling very much so. So I could see either manager getting fired. Montreal is just awful. You might have to also throw in, I don't think Peter Vermees is going to fire himself but Sporting Kansas City is also just an awful team this season. So it could be anyone, any one of the three would not be a surprise to me. Struber, the Red Bulls don't spend a lot of money. So I don't know if they're going to want to spend money to get rid of a manager and then have to bring one in. Um, it would definitely put their playoff streak of never having missed the playoffs on the line. But they're just they're an awful team right now. They they're not scoring. They are 13th in the East with just six goals for uh, in eight games. And that's just not very good at all. Montreal has just six points uh, with just five goals scored and 17 allowed. You go and look at Sporting Kansas City with three goals for 13 allowed. Just an aging team. No dynamism. It's it's not a good combination. And then his last question, it's an interesting question. Are these parlay kits... So. Every team in major league soccer wore kits made of recycled ocean plastic called parlay manufactured by Adidas. One was a dark blue and one was a light blue. And so if you were watching games on MLS pass, like Saturday night, it could be really difficult to figure out who you're watching, especially if they were doing the quadrant of games. But he says, are these parlay kits a different texture than the normal ones? If not, why aren't all the kits made this way instead of just one week? Well, I assume, and I could be very, very wrong about this, it's very, very expensive, I would assume, which is why they just do it for one week and why they can't really change the uh, colors of the kit to maybe more closely resemble the primary colors of each team or the away colors of each team to kind of customize them a little bit. So that—that that is my guess. I'll try to get an answer. I, I don't know if I have an Adidas contact. I think I do. But anyway. Chance says, Chance has a few questions for us. I'd rather win ugly than not win at all. And my goodness, was that not a pretty win? Yeah, it was probably one of the worst performances I've seen from the team in a while. Beneta said the same afterward. He said, I can only imagine being a a deflated fan in the bins at the 90th minute to some somehow pulling out the win in the last minute. I've got several questions for this podcast and I hope I don't wear out my welcome Chance, You'll never wear out. You're welcome. You are a member of the Get Fresh crew and will be for life. Assuming you haven't already brought up the injuries, how's the couple looking today, Gigi and Westberg? Well, I've put in to find out. Usually the team is off on Mondays, but I don't know if that's going to be true this week because of the U.S. Open Cup game on Wednesday. I don't know if they're going to come in and watch some film and just do some regen stuff. Tuesday will be a very light walkthrough, I've got to think. But we don't have any updates yet. Didn't see Yorgos in the locker room after the game. Now, we did find out uh, that yesterday was St. George's Day. And Yorgos is obviously named after the saint. And we were told that on St. George's Day, if you see someone named George who's Greek, you say, Happy Your Day. So that's why I tweeted that last night. So that was kind of cool. I appreciate that information. He continues, I know Chole played well the other game at the uh, central attacking midfielder role, but taking Almada off at the 69th minute. I mean, I know he plays a lot. It could probably use a break, but was that really the time to do that? That was a planned sub. Uh, I, I was trying to understand what Pineda was saying, but I think he was implying that it was a planned sub. It was also going to be a planned sub for your at the 60th minute, but he had to come out with his hamstring at like the 58th or 59th minute. So that's why that was. And again, they're playing three games this week. So if I'll be stunned if Almada plays on Wednesday. He may be on the game day roster, but I'll be stunned if he plays. He continues, does chance. Jop looked good, yeah. How long until he's injured too? Well, you know, I can't answer that. And it's quite ironic that Abara came in as a defensive move just for him to give up the pass that led to the goal. The Chicago press led to quite a few defensive errors that with better finishers would have been costly. Do we need more composure in the back? So here's I tweeted this. But here's my thought on this. Amar Sadich has been the starter for the past few games, and Atlanta United has handled presses pretty well with Sadic in the central midfield role. Not as an attacking midfielder, but as a central midfielder, they've handled the press pretty well. He did not start yesterday. Instead, it was um, Sosa and Huzetu, and Atlanta United at times could not get the ball out of its own half. Against a Chicago team that has a very good press. But it's not the best press that Atlanta United has ever seen, and they just could not break it. I think part of that is because Sadish wasn't in there. He gets in good pockets. He turns well and gets the ball going forward. And Zetu had some flashes of that earlier in the season, but he's starting to kind of regress a little bit. And Sosa, I like Sosa as a person, but as a player, he has just not regressed since he arrived at Atlanta United. A lot of y'all were very, very high on him his first year. I didn't see... The same thing y'all saw, I saw a, a decent player, but I, I was looking for more that I didn't see and I haven't seen yet. It still could happen. He's got skills. He's obviously skilled, but the progress is just not happening. And I, I don't know why. And Chance continues. And finally, are the highlights not telling the full story of the game or were all our wingers completely taken out? Yeah, they did. They uh did nothing. I've already given the stats earlier. A different Doug, but he's probably tied with me as being the coolest person in the history of people says if Ozzy Alonzo is healthy, do you see him having an impact in closing our matches or are we just too weak in the midfield right now? I think it's still going to be a few weeks before you see Ozzy play. I, I don't know when he's going to return. He's re- training with the team and I think he's doing full training with the team now, if I remember right from Friday, but he has no, he's logged no minutes in more than a year now and that's going to take some time i don't know if he goes with the twos i don't know maybe if you'll see him in the game day roster uh, the u.s open cup and maybe play a few minutes toward the end of that uh, i think he will help but it's been a year so it's hard to predict Ren, member of the get fresh crew says i'm of the same belief as you that bad calls even out after the season but man it sure feels like the bad calls and lack of calls are falling against the team heavily I don't know what calls went against Atlanta United that were too controversial yesterday. On the positive side, Yakimaakis is really great for Atlanta. Both his performance and PR are really great. How many yellows is he up to now though? I think he's up to three now. And two of them, like last night's was really soft uh, as was the one in the, um, was that Red Bulls or NYCFC? NYCFC was really soft too, but you can't, what sort I'm looking for? You can't protest yellow calls. You can't get them rescinded. Yellow cards. You can't get them rescinded like reds. Mike says, you talk about how results and calls even out over the course of the season. This goes down as a very fortunate result for Atlanta. Should have been a draw, but obviously I'll take it. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Uh, thoughts on Pineda's substitution decisions. Well, the Yakamakas had to come off. Westberg had to come off. The Almada was a planned substitution. I could understand the getting fresh legs in, getting a bar in. I, I don't know what he was attempting to do on that pass. I don't know if he was trying to hit it all the way back to the goalkeeper and just badly underhit it, but it went right to Shabelko, whose first shot was saved. Yop did a great job saving that, but then um, he got a, a second bite and was able to put it in. So anyway, uh, the other subs. Let me let me look and see if there's one in particular you're trying to get me to talk about here. See, Abara for Arahujo, Chal for Almada, Barry for Yakimakas, Wiley for Etienne. No, I think I think those are good subs. Yeah. I don't have any problem with those subs. On to Adam, another member of the Get Fresh crew, who is going to listen to me take a coffee sip before I get into his questions. I tell you what, Doug Coffee is the best coffee in the history of coffees that are in my mug sitting on my kitchen island in my condo in Midtown in the history of the world. Adam says, well, despite a subpar second half, it's nice to see the team rally for the win. A lot of possession conceded as the match wore on. Apart from the substitutions, what did you see that was happening differently that kept Atlanta pinned so deeply? Well, Ezra Hendrickson talked about after the game that they tried to keep Atlanta into one half of the field and keep them pinned there by by cutting out the passing angles. It's something he said the team has worked on a lot. That it's very good at. It's why they had 12 shutouts last season, which I didn't realize. But yeah, Atlanta just for whatever reason couldn't break it, and, and there just was not a lot of movement uh, by Atlanta United throughout the game. It was, it was just it was a really lethargic performance by Atlanta United. So if you're looking for possession numbers, I'm, I'm trying to find them here. Atlanta actually won possession, which I'm a little stunned by, uh, 56.6 to 43.4. But Chicago had the higher expected goals, 1.35 to 0.91. Outshot Atlanta United 12-9, but more shots on goal, 5-4. Passing accuracy was about the same. Had 137 passes in the final third to Atlanta United's 84. Uh, which shows you at the trouble Atlanta United was having getting into Chicago's final third. Adam says, should we not see more of a Brahm to get him prepped for future starting duty, or was he not bought as a potential replacement for Robinson? Yeah, this is, um, I, he'll, he'll start on Wednesday in the U.S. Open Cup. I think that the team is now uh, satisfied, but perhaps a little surprised at how well the Parata-Robinson uh, duo is working as a center back. You can argue that they're the best pairing, center back pairing in Major League Soccer right now. They should have gotten a, a shutout last night if not for that bad pass by Albarra. They've bailed out the team either uh, individually, Robinson or or Brata, numerous times. Uh, Robinson stopped a counter with a one on one last night. Brata had a, a couple of huge blocks after uh, giveaways by teammates. I think it was Ozetto a few times. So it's hard to take either one of them out right now. But I do think you'll see Abram and probably Noah Cobb start on Wednesday. Adequate continues. since you're a fan of some police dramas, have you been watching the ABC series set in Atlanta, Will Trent? I haven't. I'll be honest with you. I watch almost no network television. I can't think of a show that I've watched on network TV in the past year. I don't know why. I just, I I don't like... um, contest shows very much i definitely don't like dance shows singing shows i'm okay with they were all kind of cliched at this point i I just stopped you you didn't hear anything new anymore anything different so i kind of fell out of favor with those the last show that i would watch quite frequently on network television was modern family um and now that's off the air so i watch that on reruns but yeah i just i don't watch a lot of of network tv but I'll read about it and then I'll make a decision. All right. And our question of the week, it's not really a question. It's more of an idea. It comes from Rob from Flowery Branch, friend of the podcast. Yes. All right. It's a little bit long, so please bear with me in my excruciatingly awful voice. Rob says there should be a Tata Miggy reunion at the Bins on July 26th. He's referring to the doubleheader of EPL friendlies that are going to be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I hope you all read my story about how they're going to put grass down at Mercedes-Benz. I thought it was pretty cool and interesting. And think of those games are July 26th. It's Brentford versus Brighton Hove Albion, and then Chelsea versus Newcastle, which, of course, features former Atlanta United player Miguel Almiron and former Atlanta United president Darren Eels, who is now the president of Newcastle. Rob continues, Atlanta is halfway from anywhere, so the, log- the logistics work. And if Parkey, Michael Parkhurst, Larry, Jeff Lernowitz, and Gressel, Julian Gressel, want to join them in a toast for Hector Viaba's 29th birthday, all the better. It's a little scary to me that you know Hector Viaba's birthday, Rob. Of course, I'd love the whole team back for the occasion, but let's be realistic for the possibility's sake. All right. I think that'd be kind of cool. I think they'd probably want to do it on an MLS game, though. But I understand why you're saying now. Rob continues. The universe and Uncle Arthur should know that if a statue is to be built at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, it should be of Joseph and Almiron finger-to-finger in Dragon Ball Z fusion celebration. I can't think of anything that could epitomize the 2018 season and what it meant to Atlanta better than that. Someone needs to get in Martinez's ear so fences can be mended and this project put in motion. You know, (sighs) statues to me are an odd thing. It kind of became... The, the trend in sports, everybody's got to start putting up statues of famous people. And it's cool to honor the people. And statues are obviously a cool way to do it. But it's like to me, like the walks in college football, when everybody starts doing it, it's really not a tradition. It's just something to do. It's rote. It would be cool to commemorate the 2018 championship season in some way. I don't know if a statue is the way to do it. You know, one thing that I, I, I don't know if this is still the Falcons way of doing things anymore, but after the whole Michael Vick situation, if you'll go back and look, the team didn't really market specific players anymore. I think it, it kind of had gotten burned by putting so much into Michael Vick and for all of that to unfortunately happen. So I, I just I don't know what their approach is on that kind of marketing anymore and I have no opinion whether it's good or bad. It would be cool for them to honor Atlanta United's 2018 season. I don't know if a statue is the way to do it. Uh, obviously, they have the banner already in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You know, it could be a permanent mural uh, along one of the walls at Home Depot backyard or or something like that. I don't know. But I like the idea, and I think something would be cool. I don't know if a statue – is the way to go. And and as we've seen from a lot of these statues, some don't look like the person at all anymore. Uh, and so that's a little weird too. All right. So the rest of this week is a little bit weird. I'm not going to do a podcast after the U.S. Open Cup game on Wednesday because I get tired of hearing myself talk. And we've got to do another one on Friday to preview the Nashville game. So we'll do that. And then we'll have one either late Saturday afternoon, depending on how the game goes and how I'm feeling, or early Sunday morning on what's going to be a huge, huge Eastern Conference game between Atlanta United and Nashville at Nashville's wonderful stadium that has parking challenges. So I'm telling you ahead of time, if you are going to Nashville to go to that game, do not try to park near the stadium. Just take an Uber. You're going to save yourself a whole lot of headache. Nashville is 6th in the East with 12 points. Atlanta is 3rd with 18, but obviously Atlanta could be missing a few key players. Nashville has been a very difficult place for Atlanta United the past few years. Uh, The Lightning game and and others come to mind. So, it's going to be a fun week. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for subscribing to us. Please pray for Daniel. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care.